I'm going to teach this morning on communion, and uh, so if you're wondering if I forgot to receive communion, you're like, Kurt, you missed something. We're going to do that at the end of the service because I want to teach on it first, and then uh, we'll receive uh, together. Before we do that, let's uh, just pray really quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that as I speak, that you would speak through me, Father, and you would give me the strength uh, to deliver this message, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. uh, Here at Tulia Christian Fellowship, we receive communion uh, the first Sunday of every month. And uh, lots of times when we do this, uh, we can kind of get in just the routine of receiving communion, right? We know when it's going to happen, right? right? Church kind of almost hits just this like routine. You know, you're going to come in, we're going to sing three or four songs. They're going to do offering and announcements. You know, somebody's going to preach and then we're all going to go home. And we can kind of hit just this like going through the motions as a Christian through service. And so I wanted to take this morning and teach on communion, why we receive communion and kind of what it's all about. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to read through some scriptures and uh, they'll be on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. Also, if you're on the version Bible app on your phone or tablet, they're all on there and you can check them out. And uh, we're just going to read through these verses together, and then I'll uh, explain them. So we're going to start with Luke 22, uh, verse 19, and Jesus is speaking. And he said, uh, he, he took some bread, so Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So first of all, in uh, verse 19, it is... <clears throat> Jesus takes bread at the Last Supper, right? This is right before he's going to be crucified. And he's having dinner with his disciples, and they're sitting around a table. And he takes some bread, and he breaks it apart, and he holds it up, and he says, This is my body, which has been broken for you. And he said, And every time you do this, remember me. Right? Remember me. Remember what he did. Just like I said, we can come to church and we can kind of fall into this routine of what church is and what church is about. And we so soon forget what Christ did for us. And, and, you know, we come into worship and, you know, we don't worship, we don't sing, you know, for whatever's going on in our life. And it's because we have forgotten what Christ has done for us. And so, first of all, what communion's supposed to do is supposed to remind you of the sacrifice that Jesus made. That his body was brutally bro- broken, brutally beaten. Uh, crucifixion is the worst capital punishment known to, to, to mankind. We've never seen anything worse than crucifixion. Uh, where Jesus was beaten with whips. Uh, The original text and study has shown that his body was so torn apart that he wasn't even recognized as human. Uh, A a lot of studies even say that his organs probably, you could see his intestines and his organs because he was so torn apart. And then he was drugged, you know, onto a a wooden cross. If you can imagine, you you know, anytime you like kind of take that top layer of skin off, it just barely and anything touches it and how bad it burns, you know, if you pour water or, or like, you know, alcohol on it to clean it, how bad that hurts. You can imagine his body being ripped open and drugged onto a wooden cross and then for nails to be driven through his hands and the tops of his feet. And, and he did all of that 
so that you could be set free, so that you could be in right standing with God. And that's what that bread is going to represent. Verse 20 says, after supper, that Jesus took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So this cup represents obviously the blood of Jesus. We use grape juice, uh, and uh, it, it, it's red, and we use that to represent the blood of Jesus. Now, in this verse, Luke 20, he says right there that this cup is the new covenant between God and us. Okay, so if there's a new covenant, there has to be an old covenant. So brief history of the old covenant in the Old Testament. Uh, if we lived in the Old Testament right now, the building would probably be a lot uh, more decorated than this. There'd be a huge curtain uh, between us and the stage. And back here would be a golden box that God's presence is in. And then out in the front lawn, that's where all of y'all would be, would be outside in the front lawn. Then what they would do is, is Greg would stand out there with a guitar and they'd sing some cool songs and they'd tie a rope to my leg to send me in to offer a sacrifice to God. And if I begin to sweat inside the temple, God would strike me dead and I would fall over and they'd drag me out with that rope and the next priest would step up and they'd tie that rope to his leg. Because God did not want church to be work. Yeah, could you imagine how nervous those guys were going in? Like, do not sweat, do not sweat. And they didn't have like deodorant, you know, degree rubbing it on your face. There was none of that. And so the old covenant was that you were separated from God. God's in here, you're out there. Now we know that when Jesus died on the cross... That that moment he died and said, it is finished, in the temple, the veil that separated the people from God was torn from top to bottom. And it was a huge veil uh, made of you know ca- uh, uh, animal skin and hair and things like that. And it was a huge, thick uh, veil. And it was torn from top to bottom. And so when they talk about uh, a new covenant, that's what they're talking about. In, in the Old Testament, you think about David and Goliath. And you think about that story, we all know it, we all have heard it growing up, you know, David kills Goliath just as a boy. And you think about that being the Old Testament and how David did not have God on the inside of him. See, each and every person in this room, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, right? In ground zero, we teach Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that that he is God and that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. When you prayed that prayer, immediately Christ, the presence of God, the the Bible says the, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead then dwells on the inside of you. So you have that inside of you every day. When David stepped out onto that battlefield to face Goliath, God was back in the temple. His presence was in the temple. He wasn't inside of David like you and I have now. See, I always think, you know, as a kid, you think, oh, man, you know, or I can't wait to get to heaven, right? So I can ask Moses, well, you know, what was it like? What was it like to see all of that happen, to split the Red Sea? Noah, what was it like to build the ark and see all the animals come? David, what was it like to kill the lion and the bear and Goliath? And, you know, Daniel, what was it like in the lion's den? And Samson, what, what, what was it like? And, and they're all going to say, no, what was it like for God to live on the inside of you? What was it like to wake up every morning and go to your job and live your life and God was on the inside of you? That is the new covenant. That is what this cup and this bread represent. 
is the new covenant that we have with God. See, before Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says that we were the enemies of God. But then Jesus spilled his blood. Now, what they would do in the Old Testament is they would um, sacrifice animals, right? Uh, If you had a cow or a bull, you'd sacrifice your best one, your best goat, your best sheep, right? When Jesus went to the temple and started driving out those people, you know, with the whip, he was mad and kicked over tables and chairs. Those people were selling sacrifices to the people. So when I go to, so you come to church this morning and out in the foyer, instead of cocomocas, we've got, you know, doves and, and little, you know, hamsters and, uh, you know, something you can buy so you can come in and sacrifice it. And the blood of those animals would cover their sins for a year. Okay, but see, now that we're in the new covenant, the Bible says that this washes your sins away. And I'm going to show you that in scripture uh, right here. It says uh, in Hebrews 9, 22. It says, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The law of Moses is the Old Testament. Okay, not every time you hear that, the law of Moses, it doesn't only mean the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the Old Testament. And it's saying that everything, just as I told you, they would sacrifice animals and they would, you know, spill the blood over a a seat and then they would burn the the animals as a sacrifice and that it would cover their sins. It would cover their sins for a year. Then the next year they had to come back and and do it all over again. And uh, and it says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, 1 John uh, 1, 7 it says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I know what you're all thinking. Well, how do we know if we're living in the light? Let, let me put it this way. But if you are living in the light as God is in the light, and you are at church, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Right? It says fellowship with each other. What are we doing right now? We're fellowshipping with each other. Okay, you had coffee, you talked to people, we did meet and greet, we sang together, we're having fellowship with each other. You were in the light as God is in the light because you're at church, you're having fellowship with each other. And then it says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Like I've already said, the Old Testament, it covered, it was called atonement. It covered, your sins have been washed away. The Bible says that God takes your sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, I've heard that you can drive north long enough that you'll eventually go south, but you can, you can never draw, drive east far enough that you'll begin to go west. And that, you know, the east is, it says to the deepest depths of the ocean. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees a perfect, righteous child of God because of this. Because of this right here. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, his blood to be spilled out. He went to hell for three days, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He raised from the dead. He went to heaven, and it says that he poured his blood out over the mercy seat. All for you. And now your sins have been cleansed. They've been washed away. See, so many times what happens when we come to church? We feel guilty, right? You feel bad. You feel ashamed. You feel bad for the things you have done, and you feel bad for the things you haven't done. 
right? You think, I wish I wouldn't have talked to my wife that way, or I wish I would have been nicer to the clerk at the store or at the Sonic, or, or I wish I would have read my Bible more, right? That's something I, you know, I wish I, I should have prayed more. And, you know, oh man, Friday night, we, we kind of got crazy, shouldn't have done this or that, or, or I, I screamed at my kids, or I, I, I let them watch some bad movie they shouldn't have seen. And you're, you come into this place and you're overwhelmed with guilt and shame. So what happens when the worship kicks in is you stick your hands in your pocket and you're like stiff as a board because you feel guilty. And you think that God is mad at you about the way you're living your life, right? About the things that you have done or the things you have not done. And that God is mad at us. And that, well, you know, I'll get my life together, then I'll lift my hands in worship. I can tell you right now, the best time to lift your hands in worship is when your life is in shambles. The best time to sing those songs is is when your world seems like it is absolutely collapsing around you. And God is not mad at you. God is not upset. God is not like, well, I wish you you know, would do this or do that. Uh, Hebrews 9.14 says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for by the power of the eternal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds. Do you know what this does right here when you take this, when you receive the body and the blood of Jesus, it purifies your conscience. All the guilt and shame that you walk in this place with, when you receive this communion, your conscience is wiped clean because of the blood of Jesus. The verses before that said that your sins have been washed away. You are made new, right? You're as pure as a a fresh snow. There, there is, is nothing. See, here's the amazing thing. God looks at you and sees a perfect child of God. Right? I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I'm not a dirt bag. I'm not that guy who's full of lust. I'm not that, that angry person. All right? We, we, uh, Ashley and Arthur, uh, who's my sister on the front row, she has some friends in Amarillo, and Megan and I, we all went to have dinner with them a couple weekends ago. We sit down for like five minutes, right? We're having appetizers, and her friend says, you're an angry person, aren't you? And I'm like, good Lord, no, I'm not angry. You know, like we talk, you know, I mean, she just sit down for five minutes, and this, this girl like had me read as an angry person. I'm like, I'm not angry, you know, I'm out of here, you know. And it's like sometimes, you know, we begin to identify ourselves as that. And, you know, I'm just angry all the time. I'm just full of lust. I'm just mad. I'm just afraid. I'm just, you know, whatever your situation is. But that is not what God sees. When you come in here and we receive communion as a family, it washes your sins away. It clears your conscience. What does the Bible say? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And then I love what it says. It says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. That's what we're here to do, is to worship the living God. And how much more would you worship if you knew what God saw in you? 
If you could see yourself as God saw you, well, well we, we would all worship. I mean, everybody in the room. You would hold nothing back. You would let nothing keep you back. You, would, you wouldn't let what's going on in your life because you would know that God loves you. God's not mad at you. And sometimes the simple fact of that and just letting that soak in is so powerful. God is not mad at you. See, you say, well, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But God is not mad at you. God loves you. God cares about you. And that's what this is supposed to remind us. This bread and this juice reminds us of what Christ did for us and how much he loves us. Now, I want to show you in 1 Peter 2.24, and it says, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. See, it says that Jesus carried our sins to the cross so that you are now dead to sin so you can live right, and by his wounds, you have been healed. Now, in this verse, they're quoting... Uh, Isaiah 53, 5. And it says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Now, everybody in this room this morning has sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We all know that. But in that verse right there, it, it, you know, it says, you, He was pierced for our rebellions, crushed for our sins. And that he was beaten so we could be made whole. You know, the world is broken, if you haven't noticed. The Bible says that the earth groans for the day that it'll be, have sin stripped off of it. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit from that tree and sin came onto the earth, that it was against the earth's will for that to happen. That the earth did not want that. You think about earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis. That is the earth groaning to get sin off of it. Because it knows that it's broken. Maybe you've uh, you know, worked like a long day or worked out in the yard in the summertime. Or, and you get dirt all over you and grass all over and you feel dirty. And you're just like, oh, I can't wait to get a shower so I can get all this off of me. That is how the earth feels. Because the earth is broken. We are all broken. Everybody in this room, myself included, we are broken. You know, you know, want to know what's wrong with church? It's full of broken people, right? People are like, I don't go to church because of this or that. It's because it's full of broken people. We're all hurting. We're all broken. And the Bible says right here in Isaiah 53, 5, that he was beaten so that you could be made whole. He was whipped so that you could be healed. Lots of times we have physical healing that we need, right? You're sick, you've got pain. Who knows what it is? Physically, you need healing. But a lot of times we need spiritual healing. You, you, you've been hurt maybe somewhere else. or just I mean, if you've lived uh, a couple of years, you've been hurt on this earth. Bad things have happened to you. It's just the fact of life. But Isaiah 53 says that by his wounds... He was beaten so you could be made whole, and he was whipped so that you could be healed. And that's what this represents. That broken piece of bread represents the broken, beaten body of Christ. 
and it represents the healing power of Jesus that I have access to. See, when I eat this, I'm not just, you know, oh, I'm taking a piece of bread and this is kind of some weird ritual we do in church. No, there is power in communion. There is. There is supernatural power in this. And when you receive this, you receive the supernatural healing power of Jesus Christ. Just as we said, we remember what Christ has done for us. Okay, that's what we're going to do right here in a minute. We're going to get that. We're going to sit down. We're going to remember what Christ. Then as I receive this, it's going to wash me clean clean of any sin that I have in my life. And you are going to leave this building perfectly clean from all your sin. And then your conscience will be cleared. And you're going to leave this place knowing that God is not mad at you and that God loves you. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Because of this, God's not mad at me. Because of this, when God sees me, he sees his perfect child. I want you all to understand this morning the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. We can so easily forget. We can so easily write it off as some old story or some movie that somebody made. It really did happen. And he was brutally beaten and nailed to a cross. And tons of people back then were crucified. Being crucified was not a big deal. What was a big deal was when he walked out of the grave three days later. That was the big deal. And he did that for you. He willingly stepped down from heaven, took on flesh and blood, and said, I will die. Do you know that when you get to heaven, he'll feel just like you and I. He'll have skin. There's no blood anymore because he spilled it all out. He'll have the holes in his hands and in his feet, the hole in his side. I mean, he, he forever made an eternal sacrifice to save you. He didn't just get to go back to heaven and, oh, remember when that all happened? Oh, yeah, that was terrible. I mean, he forever changed his appearance for that. He took on flesh so that you could be saved. And, and this morning, we're going to remember that. So if everybody would just stand up. And what I'm going to have you do is just come down, get a piece of bread. Uh, tear off a good-sized piece of bread and grab you a cup. Uh, if you haven't ever received with us before, we do it a little different, so we're going to receive for a couple of things, but then you can just return to your seat.